0: Today's our guest is Jeff McKee from Mickey Capital Group. Welcome, Jeff.
1: Hi, Rama. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, Jeff. How about you? Doing great. Thank you very much. Sure. Uh, Jeff, can you uh, share
0: a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure, sure. So, um, you know, we've been investing in real estate for five years, originally single family. Then we went to passive investing in multifamily as limited partners. And we did that as part of a mastermind group. Um, And we invested in five deals uh, across Dallas and San Antonio. Then uh, we decided to scale up more and we went into multifamily as general partners, so more active investing so that my wife could uh, earn hours to be a real estate professional and leave her W-2 job, which she did. And then we've been general partners on 10 deals over the last Two years in a, another mastermind group, and these deals are Class B and C apartment communities from Texas to Florida.
0: Awesome, and thank you very much for sharing that. And you, you wrote a book, or you partnered uh, writing a book, bringing value, solving problems, and leaving legacy. So, would you expand it and elaborate on it? Yeah,
1: that's correct. So, it was a book that I'm an author in that was published in 2021, and it became you know an Amazon bestseller in a bunch of different categories. My chapter. Is about scaling from single family and what we learned on that side, fix and flip, buy and hold, the homestead strategy, wholesaling, all of that. And we quickly went into passive investing and multifamily to scale up. And then we pro- progressed into becoming general partners. So the chapter in the book is about kind of my journey along the way and, you know, kind of what my why was. I'm still a W 2 employee, uh, I'm striving for financial. Freedom and uh, basically having the passive income exceed, you know, uh, the W two income. So that's what the, uh, the the plan is that we're on track for.
0: Got it. And thank you. So, would you share any any of your limiting beliefs before getting into multifamily family, and how did you overcome it? Right. So, you know, I didn't realize that
1: private citizens in the United States could invest in these things. I had never heard of a private placement syndication. I was very familiar with stocks, bonds, mutual funds, you know, index funds, all of that. Right. Just, you know, being, you know, kind of a finance major in college, investing in the 401ks, trying to control your own destiny, but then seeing the market change quite a bit. So the whole balancing of stocks, bonds, mutual funds over the years, I was very comfortable with that. But I mean, it's just uh, the returns weren't always the best, and you were it's totally out of your control. And then we started learning about through these different masterminds and education about you know the the power of investing in um, these kind of apartment communities. How you've got the maintenance on site, you've got the leasing office on site. It's much more scalable, cost effective, especially for us. We concentrate on communities more than hundred doors um anywhere from 100 doors to 800 doors an average of maybe 300 that way we can have some of the best property management in those cities managing these assets for us Um, and that's one of the critical success factors we've seen Um, and that's you know kind of what we've learned along the way
0: got it yep thank you very much So would you share any of your breakthrough moment in multifamily space?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the mindset about learning this area, learning, um, you know, the power of leverage and the fact that the government is subsidizing Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to um, to to help provide affordable debt for um, these communities that we're purchasing and owning and managing. Um, But then also the government, you know, with the 2017 Tax and Jobs Cut Act has this bonus depreciation and 2022 is the last year of 100 percent bonus depreciation. So, you know, we got a lot smarter about how to reduce our federal tax liability. You know, you never really get away from paying property taxes, sales taxes, but there are things you can do um, as an individual in the United States. And the government writes it in the tax code that if you are going to provide housing for others, they will provide you some tax benefits whether it's a a 1031 exchange, whether it's bonus depreciation. Um, And those are the things that we got educated on. You know, we hired professionals to help us understand our situation, um, what different strategies we could uh, employ to go change our situation. Um, And then that's what we've done. And and so one of the things I've learned over the years is is to take action. You know, it may not always be the right action, but I've certainly seen people, you know, friends, family, others that do a lot of analysis and they typically don't pull the trigger Trigger. And I think one of the things I've been pleased about is, you know, pulling the trigger. Um, one of the things about the book, you know, the, the, the last part of the book is leaving a legacy. So we have three children that are adult children. One of them, our son, uh, one of our sons invests with us. And so, you know, we're trying to instill with him all of this education um, uh, around single family, now multifamily. And so he's a co-general partner with us and we, we co-own an, an LLC together. Um, and so then that's been good, you know, just teaching others, not only you know, family and friends, but also like an extended network of people that I've worked with over the years, and I've come in contact with about this passive investing and financial freedom, um, and this this whole area where the returns are, are generally really good.
0: Got it. yeah. Would you share your investment philosophy?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the investment philosophy you know we have is is to diversify into geographies, different types of deals. We've been moving away from our Wall Street investments over to Main Street. So we've been moving away from the stock market, stocks, bonds and mutual funds. We've been liquidating those over the last five years. Um, and putting those in real assets that you can actually have some level of control over. Plus we're we're using good debt. So if someone hypothetically has $100,000 in a 401k or an IRA, um, you can't really use debt on those types of things. I mean, there are things you can do with margin in an after-tax account, which I don't necessarily recommend, but but basically in that world. But if you have that same $100,000 in a, an apartment community, um, you could leverage that to where we're using 70% or 80% loan to value and that 100,000 can control more of, of real estate. Um, and it's actually, you own part of an LLC when you invest in these specific apartment communities. And so you can actually go look at the property, you know, meet with the management team, meet with the property manager. And you can't really do that with stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And so we just like this type of investing. So the strategy is really to, to move over our allocation of investable funds from Wall Street to Main Street, and then diversify within Main Street, um, even between class B and C, between different states. The other philosophy on apartments specifically is we only buy in landlord-friendly states. So we're typically particularly Texas to Florida, the South and Southeast, um, where uh, they're very landlord-friendly. And then that's one of the motivations. There's also a lot of net in-migration from West, like California, and then also from North to South. And then that's the other thing. You're looking for these trends, these long-term trends, because these assets, one of the downsides of this type of investing in these uh, multifamily syndications is they are not very liquid, meaning we let investors know to expect their money to be out in the investment for five to six years. Now, in some cases in the market we're in today, we're able to sell faster, but we don't position it that way. We basically say our goal is to double your money in that five to six year time horizon. Um, And and that's where these um, type of investments today are not super liquid. There are things going on around tokens, um, and and some of uh some of that technology uh, but it's not it's not there today but eventually there will be more deals where they'll be all tokenized and it'll be a specific property you know one two three main street in dallas texas and you can buy you know a token for that property and buy and sell it on an exchange that isn't available today so we we basically have um a, a somewhat illiquid but for that you get higher returns projected again these are projected in some cases they're actual when you go full cycle um, but that, those are the things that we like in terms of you know, the philosophy of investing longer term. It also prevents you from making irrational decisions if there is a pandemic, if there's a war someplace, um, if there's a certain currency crash somewhere that impacts the market, you just can't go and say, oh, hey, I want my 100000 back from 123 Main Street. It's like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. So whether that's good or bad, it, it basically forces people to leave their money in that investment. And, and I know that saved a lot of people over the years, like even... Even in the beginning of COVID. People were wanting to exit some of this multifamily, but as it turns out, you know, with the inflation that we have and the rent increases, the the net operating income and the value of these properties has gone up. You know, for most most properties, you know, quite a bit.
0: Got it. And thank you. So, since you mentioned about tokenization, so what, what is your prediction? How long it will take to come into picture?
1: You know, there's already some platforms out there. There's already some uh, companies that do this. Like I believe there's a, a Cleveland office building, one Cleveland apartment. The downside today is the bank aren't behind it. The government's not behind it in the United States. So what you have to do is you have to pay cash. So let's say it's a $10 million apartment community. You can tokenize that, but you can't use debt because the, the the people that own the debt, typically, unless it's a private lender, but when you're talking about the federal government, Fannie, Freddie, you're talking about bridge loans like Arbor, they're not gonna allow you to tokenize, let's call it the equity portion of that. But if you own that asset outright, you can create a token and you could just say the par value of the token is $100. Um, and then every quarter you have it independently audited. And then all of a sudden, maybe the value goes up by $5. Now the par value of that token is 105. You create an exchange, a platform, and people can buy and sell that token on like, you know, one, two, three main street in Cleveland as an example. So um, it's going to come over time as, uh, you know, blockchain ripples through, especially the real estate industry. If you think about title insurance, just think if you had, uh, you know, uh, that that city had all of um, the titles in a blockchain where you could buy and sell over your phone, right? That's coming. And there's certain cities around the world that are experimenting with that. Um, But yeah, the token is, will happen in the syndication space, I don't know, over the next five years. I have talked to people that are working on it. Um, It's not ready for prime time, but part of the negotiation is with the banks and the federal government to get them to understand and allow this technology. Um, But right now, it's still in the discussion phase for at least a lot of the big players in the traditional markets.
0: Got it, and thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, What's your point of view on current market, uh, current multifamily market situation?
1: Yeah. I mean, I do hear people say, hey, there's not any good deals out there anymore. I mean, whether it's multifamily or whether it's uh, self-storage or single family or, you know, in in some cases, short-term rentals. But, you know we're able to find a, a, about 10% of our deals are off market. 90% are on market, and so off market means we we might know the seller, we we might know the broker that has a pocket listing and hasn't made it to the market yet. Those deals there's no competition because it's it's typically just us, and and those deals can be pretty good. They're hard to find, but they're out there. Like we we've got one under contract. Can't really talk about it, but but there there are deals out there like that. The 90% are on market, which means you know we're bidding against a lot of other people. Now we typically in terms of strategy, stay below the $100 million purchase price, where when you get into the $100 million, you, know, you start dealing with institutions buying those. And a lot of them are Class A luxury. Um, you got Grant Cardone and other people bidding for those. Those are, are, are not our target market. We're more in the $10 million to $80 million, where it's below the institutional visibility. Um, and and so, so that's an area um, you know, that we focus on. But we're seeing a lot of loss to lease, which means um, we see market rent increasing in certain cities. um, But in some cases, the owners and the property managers of certain apartment communities have not been keeping pace with rent. So that's one example. Another example is some of these owners have run out of capital to rehab, to fix up the units and put in 5,000 a door, 10,000 a door to take a classic unit into a, a modern unit. And so they're not able to also force appreciation, force rents up. And so we come in, with a new set of capital stack to go rehab, let's say the remaining units, and then drive up rents over time as those leases expire, um, someone can renew at a higher rate because you know once we improve the unit, or we just bring in new tenants for that community. So that's where we're seeing a lot of opportunity in today's market. There's other things that we do. We do water conservation, low flow toilets. We change out lights to LED that use a lot less energy. So on the expense side, there's certain things you can do. You can drive other income with, you know, Um, installing covered parking, charging per month. You can put in, um, you know, fencing for the first floor units and charge $50 a month. You can add washer dryers if they have hookups already. So anyway, there's other income that, you know, you can do. But in this market, mostly what we're seeing is the opportunity is is the loss to lease. Now, with interest rates going up all over the place, including multifamily, even though we're we're getting subsidized by Fannie and Freddie, um, it's still a challenge when you do your underwriting and when you're looking at the future over the next six years? What do we believe rents are going to do in terms of increases, expense increase? What are interest rates going to do? Are we going to do a fixed rate right now? Are we going to do a, uh, an adjustable variable rate and hope that they go down? Are we going to refinance out of bridge debt? So there's definitely a lot of discussions happening on the debt side and what we think. Um, and so our underwriting is typically conservative, um, but we're able still to underwrite deals. And our uh, the, the mastermind we're a part of has a really good track record of once we commit to doing a deal, we all always closed the deal. And so we've done like 90 transactions in six years in this group and we've been part of 10, you know, over the last um 18 months. But but so those are just some of the trends we're seeing today in, in the multifamily space in the United States.
0: Got it. And thank you very much. So, uh, since you mentioned like uh, off-market, uh, around 10% of your deals are from off-market, uh, definitely like you no know, competition is less, I mean, no competition or less competition. So, from pricing, p- pricing point of view, like how much less you will get, you know, for off-market deals?
1: I mean, you know, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, if you look at the price per door we put under contract for, um, you know, kind of the off-market deals, I mean, it's probably in the neighborhood of 10 to 15% less than if it went to a bidding war with an on-market market with a bunch of, I mean, sometimes there's 20 offers on a single property, you know, it's crazy in certain cities that you go to. Um, So, uh, so yeah, when you when you think of the big MSAs, the largest cities in the South and Southeast, um, it is a lot of competition, um, and and it can drive up the price a bit. Whereas the off market deal, the the owner is just happy to exit not have to go through six months of a broker marketing the property and doing all of that. And they just want to, you know, have a quick close, relatively speaking in the apartment, community world uh but but so there, there's there's advantages and they have some some personal reasons sometimes they prefer to keep it off market and, and so uh, but yeah I, I would say you know basically you have know, 10 to 15 percent less
0: got it Yeah, thank you so would you share any of your best multi-family investing experience so far
1: yeah, you know, I would say a couple things. One is, you know, we've invested in a lot of deals, and that goes back to, to diversify. So let's just say someone has a hundred K investable. I would just suggest they look at two different markets, 50K each. Um, like sometimes what I think is the best deal. Uh, isn't always the best deal over time, and the deals that I thought were marginal turn out to be the best deals. So there's like we were, uh, you know, in a deal in, in Dallas, and um, you know it was in a, a a market in South Dallas that you know over the years have been pretty sketchy. But you know we thought the city of Dallas was putting in forty million dollars, and it would turn around, and that turned out to be like a two point five x return in three years, right? Then there's another deal on the positive side um, in Arkansas, a little town you know called Fort Smith, Arkansas. And that deal is about to go full cycle at you know two and a half times uh what our investment was. And we're also GPs on that one. And that's you know, in 18 months. Again, some of it's the market, but but there's small markets, tertiary markets, and there's large MSAs. So we've invested in all three large MSAs, so tier one, tier two, and tier three cities. Um, so so what the, the common denominator we've seen in the last you know four years is um when it cash flows day one and you're at let's say 80% plus occupancy. Um, because of the supply chain issues with COVID, the last couple of years, we've seen those properties, let's call them stabilized or near stabilized, perform better um, over these last few years than the properties that we put under contract that we own that are at fifty percent occupancy, sixty percent. It's because there have been if you're trying to change out, you know, three hundred sets of appliances and you're waiting on boats coming from Asia, that's a problem and that's put us behind. Um, If you're trying to repaint all the units, believe it or not, there's a paint shortage in the United States. Okay, that puts you behind. Um, During the heat of covid, um, unfortunately, there were a lot of people sick and it wasn't just tenants. It was also the workers. So getting the, the general contractors and subcontractors to stay on the schedule was was very difficult because people were just out ill with covid. So those things have 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 basically steered us a little bit towards the uh, more stabilized day one properties than the super deep value add. That's in general, you know, what what I can share and what we've learned over the last few years.
0: Got it. Yeah. So would you also share any challenging experiences so far?
1: Um, you know, challenging experiences... I would say some of it goes back to that mindset, people have a hard time really understanding the space, you know, where this money goes that you're buying an LLC. So I think just the education, the self-education and surrounding yourself with others that know that investment area that you're interested in. So let's say this private placement syndication for multifamily apartments. There are very deep communities around the United States. There's bigger pockets. There's all kinds of different mentoring groups you can join. Uh, There's tons of podcasts like this one. You can get self-educated. To me, it's the mindset around that of getting education, but then eventually just pulling the trigger. Some people just have a real difficult time with investing. A lot of our deals are a minimum of $50,000. And then our larger deals above 30 million purchase are around 75,000. We do have 506B, B as in boy, which means we allow up to 35 non-accredited per deal. We don't today do 506C, which is accredited only and you can advertise those. And so I do a lot of calls with investors just understanding their situation. And, and I think um, coming you know, from the W-2 world, people just have a mindset challenge of, hey, I've always been told to max out my 401k, do as much as I can in an IRA, move it to Roth, and nothing about this kind of real asset investing. To me, that's one of the challenges I just see with people that I interact with and try and help them see you know, how they can reach
0: financial freedom through passive investing. Got it. Yep. Yeah, thank you. Uh, any books? that impacted your life and what way. Yeah,
1: you know, I started six years ago with the, the classic purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. I followed up with the cash flow quadrant, which was actually very beneficial, trying to move from the employee quadrant over to the investor quadrant, moving from 50% taxes to 0%. And we've been doing that over the last few years. Um, and then Tax Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright. Again, you know, the tax code has, you know, 10 pages of the tax rate and 1,000 pages of how um, you can benefit from all the, the government breaks they give you, including, you know, depression. Appreciation and, and all the stuff the government does for real estate investors. When you provide housing to other Americans, um, the government really um, provides benefits to you as the investor. So, those are the things that, that I, I learned. Those, those three books were, were super impactful. Then, over the years, you know, the four hour work week, Tim Ferriss, How You Can Have Others, Including Virtual assistants, and then Who Not How by Dan Sullivan on, on how you can allocate those repetitive tasks to others and you focus on your highest leverage use of time. And so, for example, example, I now have a full time virtual assistant in the Philippines that helps me out with um, some, uh, you know, capital raising and then I focus my time on talking with investors, you know, one on one and potential investors. So that's just uh, what I've learned, you know, over the
0: over the years. Got it. Yep. Thank you. And how are you giving back to community, Jeff?
1: i've done some videos i put out a weekly blog to educate uh, people that are both you know i connect with facebook linkedin but then i have a, a fairly large investor network um and so i give back through educating others about this space and then when i do these one-on-one calls i just try and understand you know their situation you know or where they're going and provide some guidance some education again i'm not a financial advisor tax advisor legal expert at all i'm just a person out there that's just living and breathing this and so i try try and give back through sharing my story with others, including you know, the bringing value, solving problems and leaving a legacy. Um, and so, you know, documenting my journey and what I've learned over time, because um, you know, everybody's trying to speed up their education and knowledge, and and just accelerate their advancement in this area. And uh, and you know, we've spent a lot of money joining masterminds, uh, paying professionals to help us accelerate. And then I'm just trying to to give back as I talk to people and do videos and do blogs and newsletters.
0: Got it. Yep. Thank you. How can listeners can connect with you, Jeff? yeah they can go to uh mckeecapitalgroup.com
1: they can reach me at jeff at mckeecapitalgroup.com and then my phone number is uh area 425-785-5751 so you know happy to connect with investors set up time to talk understand their situation and see you know how these things uh, may be able to to
0: help them out um, on their journey to financial freedom awesome and thank you very much jeff i really enjoyed the conversation
1: yeah thank you so much Rama, for having me on
0: sure Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP 360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.